Hello, dear listeners. I'm coming to you before we get at our interview with Chris Burwash to let you know that wristbands are now available for Calgary Sled Island Music Festival, taking place June 20th to 24th in various locations within the city's downtown core. This year's lineup includes guest curators Deerhoof, as well as Dirty Projectors, Y Oak, Mount Kimby, Shabazz Palaces, Mount Erie, Mary Timoney Plays Helium, Slow, Grouper, Cherry Glazer, Faith Healer, Michael Ralt, and tons more. Visit their website sledisland.com to purchase your wristband now. Welcome to Cups and Cakes presents Inside the Artist Studio. The interview you're about to hear was originally recorded on March 28, 2018. To find out more about Cups and Cakes, visit them at cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. What you're about to hear may contain filthy language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Chris Burwash is no stranger to playing music. Having cut his teeth in the Edmonton music scene many moons ago with the much-loved No Hands, he ended up stepping back to focus on his family and his business, Listen Records, which is widely considered one of the best record stores in Canada. Although running the store and raising kids keeps Burwash swamped, he managed to find time to explore his passion for ambient electronic music through a project simply called K. Burwash. His debut album, Moon Landing, which, by the way, is sold out, came out in October 2017 on Pseudo Laboratories and is a soothing dronescape that lives up to its title with its cosmic vibe. I'm proud to welcome to the Cups and Cake studio, Chris Burwash. How's it going, man? Pretty good. You? Good. So it's sold out. Yeah. So wait, so you did a first run and a second run. Yeah. And they're all gone. Yeah. So how many tapes is that total? I think there's 75 total. In each run? No. 50 and then 25 more. Oh. I think they could make more. I think there's more covers, but it's kind of one of those, just let it lie. Okay. You know? okay. Why make 25 more and then sit on 20 of them for another That's year, fair, right? Yeah. Like, it's done. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just available digitally now. Yeah. And Although, I've never actually applied pressure to get more made, but I don't think I would. I, I would rather just do something else. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's start the interview. Okay. I, I, that was a fun fact I learned before <laughs> we even started. We were just chit-chatting. So you've been a part of Edmonton's music scene for quite some time now. When did you start playing in bands? Probably, yeah, when I was like 20-ish or so mm-hmm. and started meeting people in Edmonton and started playing with guys. I was in a band called The Marshall Plan with Kyle Bordage, who was in the... I don't know if they're quasi-famous Edmonton kind of punk band Slugger. Mm-hmm. He lives in Calgary now, but Brian Kulba from all the crazy bands from the sort of early 2000s, uh, like the Wolf Note, yeah. he was in Slugger as well. So that's how I kind of met guys through that whole vein. Okay. So it's in the Marshall Plan. And then after that, I had a band that I kind of started called Lontananza. Yeah. It was sort of instrumental post-rock thing. Cool. And then after that, I think after that was No Hands. Yeah. Yeah. And what was uh, No Hands' year of being oh. active at, with you in the band? Okay. So I had my table saw fight and kid in 2006. So it's probably like 2002 to 2006. Okay. Something like that. 
And then, uh, so that's quite a while without playing music or putting anything out officially yep. anyways. Yep. <laughs> um, did you research? All, yeah, I, I'm guessing. So I wanted to ask you, cause your project is electronic ambient and kind of experimental. Did you always have an affinity for this genre or did it kind of slowly take hold over the years? I actually attribute my enjoyment of ambient electronic things to Metallica. Okay, you're going to have to explain? <laughs> um, you know, well, it depends how well you know Metallica. But they have all those, like, weird ambient... Inter- and, I mean, it's a metal thing even, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The ambient interlude tracks and, like, instrumental things. Those are always my favorite Metallica tracks were, like, Orion and the intro to, like... Oh, what track? Oh, I mean, there's... T- like, yeah, every yeah. other track has one, right? Yeah. And I always loved those tracks when I was, like, 14. And it just sort of slowly gravitated and figured out like oh look at this whole world of other stuff that's like that cool i don't think metallica was drawing from tangerine dream and brian no. Eno and <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. right but that's it's the same wheelhouse sort of but it's you know you're 14 in saskatchewan and rural saskatchewan at that no one's there to show you like oh well if you like this dude check out this yeah yeah no, for sure that doesn't happen cool so you kind of find your way there and eventually it's like oh man there's actually this whole world where the whole record is that instead of like this 45 second intro and then it's just like blast beats and like thrash guitars yeah which yeah. is great too but well i mean it's got its place yeah. for sure you can only replay orion like so many times before you're like okay i guess i'll listen to the next song uh, one thing that I'm always curious about, like sometimes I find a lot of uh, ambient electronic music sounding quite similar. Like, is that just because maybe I'm not as trained to pick up on some of the subtleties behind some of the drones? And well, maybe, sure. Yeah, it's you, not me. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, part of it would be that. I mean, that's. I mean, that's sort of why it took me a long time to even start doing it. Like, I loved ambient stuff and synth stuff, and I was like, ah, what do I have to add to it? And then I kind of got over that. But all, but it's also, when if you're working with synthesizers and whatnot, there's only certain tones, in a sense, of how you treat them yeah. and how you compose and whatnot is sort of what you can contribute to it, I guess. But, like... I mean, a synthesizer outputs sound waves that are either like a triangle wave or a square wave or whatever, and like those kind of sound fairly distinct. Yeah. I mean, that, or similar. I mean, certain synths sound sort of unique and different, but at, the, at their core, they're still coming from a certain wave. Like a sine wave is the core of certain sound waves. Mm-hmm. And a sine wave is a sine wave is a sine wave. So that's sort of why, yeah, a lot of stuff's going to sound kind of similar. But how you deal with all of that on your own sort of is how you can make it unique, I guess. Yeah. Stand out. And it does come more to composition than the sound palette itself. Yeah. But I mean, you can say the same thing to guitars, right? Like a guitar is a guitar is a guitar. Yeah. You can split hairs and be like, well, Fender Telecaster does sound different than a Fender Strat. Like, a Moog synthesizer sounds different than a Korg, whatever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But that's, again, that's once you have to be pretty deep to be able to listen to a record and be like, oh man, that's a Tele, not a Strat or a Gibson, or that's a knockoff Gibson SG. That's not a real 60s one or whatever, right? Like, yeah. It's pretty nerdy to be that guy, but there's synth nerds that know that. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm not that deep into it. And I mean, you can buy a lot of synth gear for what you could buy a vintage moog for yeah so 
Da. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Moon Landing, mm-hmm. the, the cassette. I, I have it right here. And uh, I know there's a couple little nuggets that you left here, but mostly I, I, uh, I wanted you to kind of just go over your thought yeah. process with putting well, this together. Originally, I was actually going to call the project Moon Landing. Okay. And then some band in the UK comes out with as Moon Landings with a Z on the end. Oh, with a Z, of yeah. course. Yeah, super cool. But it's also like they were, it's sort of a six degrees of separation. Like I know people in the UK that run labels that are sort of a, a one or two steps away from it. And okay. like guy with a shop over there I know was like super hyped on it. And I was like, well, it'd be ignorant to like, oh, it's fine. I'll just use that. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I was like, I, I haven't done anything yet. I'll just, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I was comfortable using my name anyway. Yeah. Other people were like, no, you need a name. I have a name. It's fine. Although there's a, a, a little tidbit nod in the name even that I use, but that you have to figure out. But um, so that, yeah. So then it was like, well, I'll just call this first album Moon Landing. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. I mean, the photo on the front is actually not the moon, obviously. No. Yeah. That's pretty obvious. It's actually uh, Greenland. Greenland. Okay. I, shot that out I was going to say Antarctica, but I shot that out of a plane window. <laughs> you shot this yeah, picture? Yeah, I took that picture. Yeah. No. Oh man, we were flying back from Iceland, and I've never been in a plane. Granted, I've not been in a lot of planes, but the pilot actually like interrupted the entertainment system and everything. He's like, "Yeah, we're just uh, flying over the coast of Greenland. You might want to take a look out your window. It's exceptionally clear today and an astounding view." And I just like my daughter was sitting in the window seat, and she just every five minutes would elbow me, and I just like pointed the window and I'd take more photos out the window because it was crazy the view out the window that's so cool right on okay um before we start talking about the actual music that's in here uh i know that um all the track names kind of tie in yeah you want to talk about that a little bit that that well that's one of the other little nuggets right so actually originally there was five tracks and i had no titles and Parker at Pseudo Laboratories was like, uh, it's easy, just making up names, like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I started kind of digging around, and I knew the album was called Moon Landing, but then I, and I was kind of Googling, like, lunar whatever, and, and I came across the list of the actual landing sites of all six moon landings from the Apollo missions. Okay. And they're great titles. I was like, oh, these are great track titles. But you're short of track. There's six. And it's like, well, you've got room on side one. And so actually the first track is actually like a two-minute edit of a 17-minute track. Oh, okay. So it's like the intro to that track. So I don't know. I might keep thinking like, oh, I'll put out as like a bonus track for people that bought it on... Like digitally, on, yeah, yeah, digitally, the, the full version of it because it's you know it's two minutes of a seventeen minute track. You totally but, should. That'd yeah. be great. There's a lot of things I should do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should at least send it to me. <laughs> oh, that's what we'll do. You can do that as a bonus, <laughs> the unreleased seventeen minute version. Yeah, that's what we'll play at the end of yeah, this. So, okay. seventeen minute long drone track. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the actual music. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested about uh, some of the equipment you were using to get some of these drones. Yeah. So this was all made with the first synth I bought. It's actually made by a guy in Toronto. Uh, His company's called Kilpatrick Audio, and it's just a, it's called a phenol, and it's an all-in-one synthesizer, but it's it's sort of weird because it's modular, but it's kind of considered semi-modular, but it's not. It's an all-in-one unit, but it's, 
it doesn't make a sound without starting to plug patch cables in. Okay. So you, you determine the routing of where it sound goes. So from the oscillator to a filter to a whatever, you know, so yeah. you, you, you make it make the sound and choose the routing of it. Yeah. Um, if you don't put any cables into it, it doesn't do a thing. Yeah. Whereas like a keyboard, you know, yeah, most yeah. people's idea of a synth is like a traditional keyboard with a bunch of sliders or buttons to make sounds. And this is the exact opposite. Nowadays, like I'm playing with pure modular stuff where it's actually, you buy each thing as an actual each module. Yeah. So okay. it'd be like this box is an oscillator yeah which generates tone and that's all it does yeah and i mean you could use that on its own but it'd be really boring yeah until you turn it off um but so the 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 phenol is it's a good it's a neat starter mo- modular synth because it's got everything you need mm-hmm. to sort of make stuff and really kind of explore it and be like oh okay i really like these types of things or whatever yeah. and that so it's that and effects yeah but it's all done live like there's no overdubs or anything on that tape it's all one shot yeah whatever so cool yeah it's, synths are neat <laughs> <laughs> it's it, well, it's like the math and science of music right like it's well and it's a world i think a lot of people don't know much about and are maybe a little intimidated to get when into it's crazy when you start to understand it more and more and realize things is like oh i need this because i want to do this and i don't how do i do this oh it's this and it's just, but then you stop thinking you start thinking about it, it's like it's math and physics yeah. kind of and it's like whoa that's stupid like, <laughs> i just want to like plug cables in and make it go yeah. <laughs> um okay so you're still making music yep. as k burwash yeah i wanted to know um what does the rest of 2018 have in store are you working on another release in theory yeah, I got a lot of stuff recorded, but editing is kind of a problem. Well, <laughs> I don't like to. I don't think. I just like, oh, this is all fine, whatever. It's kind of weird, like especially I guess going from like playing in bands where you bounce ideas off each other or whatever, and then you just, like sit in your basement and make music by yourself. Like this is great. Yeah, I'm super bombed. I love this track because I'm so <laughs> drunk right now or whatever. Um, so you know, and then but then you have your handful of friends you like maybe bounce tracks off of. Yeah. But eventually they lose perspective or just like, yeah, 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 that's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. They, yeah. They, they don't care. And they're just like, whatever. <laughs> um, so it's, yeah. And I'm sure most, even like solo song, singer-songwriters probably go through the same thing. Like, yeah. you can spend 50 hours working on a track and then you're like, I think this is good. <laughs> and then you give it to your friend and your friend's just like, yeah, man, it's great. You spent how long? Yeah, it's great. Uh-huh. Love it. Love it. And you're like... Why would they tell you if they hate it? Because you just told them, dude, I spent 50 hours working on this track. I think it's pretty good, right? No. No, no, it's terrible. Yeah. You wasted 50 hours. Yeah. It's funny because I have friends where, like, we do bounce tracks off each other and all. Like, well, I don't like the end. It's like, well, I do. It's like, well, then, yeah, it's great then, man. Yeah. Sure. Like, okay. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. When when you do that, yeah, like, it's everybody's got their own perspective for so oh, for sure yeah yeah and but it's nice when you have people that will tell you i don't like the end yeah was Why? it nicer to play in bands and like uh, no. have because they no well because your bandmates <laughs> were like no no because no, it's dating like three dudes it's so <laughs> annoying <laughs> like 
Showing up to jam and then somebody comes downstairs and starts making dinner when you've arrived. You're like, I can come an hour later next time. Like, stuff like that. Like, yeah. No, it's I mean, it's fun too, but it's in some ways it's just hanging out. Yeah, fair enough. Like I, I actually my f- I enjoyed being in bands more when we jammed at a jam space that was no one's house. Because everyone yes. showed up ready yeah. to work, yeah. kind of like, yeah, that, and that makes more sense yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of, I don't know, being, I guess, self-employed and sort of like looking at it from that perspective of work. Yeah, when you're on the road, like there's a certain things that I would think like, oh, if you're gonna go to Vancouver or anywhere as a band, there's certain things you maybe should attempt to do. Yeah, not just party and hang out all day. That's but when they're doing that, it's like, okay, well, Spoken like an old man. I know. I wasn't even that old when I was, like, going on the road. But I was just like, well, we could go do this. No. All right. Sure. It's, but, you know, yeah, it's just... It, 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 it depends what you're trying to do with the project, I guess, right? Like, if it yeah. is literally a sense... Or a, the idea is to just travel the country and party and hang out, then sure. Great. Yeah. But if you're trying to, like, do something as a band... Or as a solo artist or whatever, you probably should put in a little bit of the mileage and actually do the work. Like if you're going out to, like if you've self-released an album, you go to any other city, maybe you want to go try and get your album into other record stores. Like yeah. yeah. Try and yeah. sign it even, even if you know, I'm never going to be back, I'm never going to get money. But if your release is in some record store in Calgary, Vancouver, Toronto, whatever, yeah. you're better off never seeing pennies for those and someone buying it and being hyped and you actually having more people come to your show when you come back to town yeah. than partying. Yeah, yeah. Just my two cents? I don't know. <laughs> I, I personally agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I take a traveler's perspective on that. When yeah. you would, we would stay in hostels or whatever and you would get all these like hippie travelers that would get shit faced all day all night and then they would just complain about how expensive everything in that you know city was to see oh the coliseum's so expensive i'm not going (laughs) to that dude you're in rome why (laughs) yeah (laughs) when in rome (laughs) (laughs) literally yeah yeah I'm, i'm always actually really impressed when bands come to my store and want to consign or sell me records or try right yeah. like just the fact that they're actually hustling. putting it hustling and putting yeah. in the work for their band i'm like oh man like yeah, yeah. i want to take their stuff in and i want to buy stuff or something from them because it's like well you're actually putting in the effort because yeah. so many bands roll through town or whatever i mean there's local bands that don't even bother to go to all the stores to put out their stuff in the yeah. stores i'm like well, why are you bothering to make records if you're not putting them in the stores 100 <laughs> percent. don't get it <laughs> Okay, man, I got one more question before we dive into the rapid fire. Was the moon landing a hoax? Hmm. No. Okay. I believe everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you heard it here. You heard it here. Totally wasn't. I soundtracked it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to start it off with this doozy of a question. What album sparked your love of music? Whoa. I'm old, Jeff. This is a hard <laughs> question. I mean, the first tape I bought was Red Rider. Oh, yeah. Little but Tom I Cochran. was buying records before that. But yeah. it was, I don't know. I mean, okay, the first, like, legitimate thing I bought that's probably, like, down the, like, actually explains my tastes or that's actually the first informed thing I bought. Okay, was yeah. Sonic Youth Goo. Okay. We'll take that. Yeah. Sonic Youth Goo. 
What is your current musical obsession? Roberto Muschi and Giovanni Venosta. Ven- Water <laughs> messages on desert sand. It's a reissue of like 70s, I don't know, 80s Italian sort of electronic mixed with a little bit of world stuff. It's great. How do you find this stuff? <laughs> I know a guy. Burgers or pizza? Burgers. How do you take your coffee? Two cream. Best movie you've seen recently? Annihilation. Alcohol or marijuana? Alcohol. What's your drink of choice? Beer. Yes. <laughs> you are. Right now. Um, everybody knows that you are a beer lover. Yeah. <laughs> Determined recently that um, a beer lover is just a fat alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, collective arts. Cloud. Uh, head in the clouds. That's my. Beer oh yeah, now. you had that. Uh, you, let me sample some of that. That's super good. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, cool. it's gone now. Like it's gone. I don't know. They don't make it anymore. I think it's just awaiting a repress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the best thing to happen to you on stage? We had a lot of fun and no hands, but it was more usually like sort of I'd be there and Clayton would do stupid shit. Like yeah. I remember. One of the best things we ever did, he he would always wear this lab coat, but one night he like pulled off his lab coat and turned around and he we had taped a pork chop to his back. <laughs> That's my favorite stage thing we ever did. How many pets do you have and what are their names? One. I have a dog named Sadie. If you could open for any artist on the planet, who would it be? Brian Eno. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I mean, I could have guessed that. Yeah. Why not? He doesn't play live, so it's yeah. a funny answer. <laughs> what was your favorite childhood toy? G.I. Joe. Who's your favorite superhero? G.I. Joe. <laughs> Beatles, be- <laughs> Beatles or the Stones? Stones. What was your first car? Uh, I, I think I think it was a, was a Ford Astro. It was a minivan. Okay. Got the year? No. Was old. <laughs> What's the best Canadian city to play? Uh, Edmonton. What's the worst? Edmonton. <laughs> What's your biggest pet peeve? Waiting. 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 Like just waiting for people. For oh, stuff. Waiting for people. Waiting I, on stuff. Just like waiting for like. Yeah. What about like waiting for something to arrive in the mail? Yeah, I hate waiting for shit. <laughs> I'm impatient. Have you taken your kids to Disneyland yet? Twice. Oh Disneyland's my god. Awesome. Yeah, but it must be your hell on earth. No. All you do is wait. No, Disneyland figured out waiting. How, how, what do you mean Disneyland figured out waiting? They make waiting not annoying. Because like you're, the lines, you've never been, obviously. Well, I was when I was like yeah. eleven. But the lines, most of them, like they kind of are almost these winding paths yeah. through like rooms and dioramas and like scenes, so that like it almost feels like part of the ride. You're always moving through new areas. Like uh. the Indiana Jones ride is like a slow walk through an archaeological site. Yeah, I I was there for two hours. <laughs> I was there the very first year they opened the Indiana Jones oh, ride. Man. That's when I was there. Yeah, I don't know when that was, but. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> that ride is awesome, by the way. Yeah. The Cars ride is the best ride in the park, though, now. Oh, okay. Well, it's crazy. That's that's way past my time. Everyone was shocked when I went to Disneyland the first time. I was like, I can't believe you liked Disneyland. <laughs> and then I went back two years later. <laughs> Give me one of your bucket list items. Japan. Favorite road trip album. 
I don't know. Again, I have kids, so like my my road trip albums are sort of like they listen to really their, everyone listens to their shit, and then I put on something polar opposite and spend a half an hour to an hour listening to everyone whine and then we just put on a movie like, i don't know i've got 11 years of shitty road trips under my belt if you could hang out with one of your musical idols would you would i know if you could fight physically or verbally any musician who would it be Oh, I don't know. That's a tricky one. You got nothing? Yeah, I got nothing. Okay. It's a funny one, though. You, you're just giggling. Yeah, it's a good question. There's a ton you, of people you, I kick the shit out of, but I don't know. Give me one of them. And why? Give me one. Give me Chad one. Chad Kruger or Kroger, whatever the hell Perfect. Yeah, sure. Why not? Perfect. Yeah. I got a bunch. I got so many on that list. Jack White. Oh, I would love to beat the shit out of Jack White. Yeah. Kanye West. Why not? Sure. Yeah. That'd be great. Because he'd probably beat the shit out of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude's crazy. <laughs> Most of these guys probably would. Probably. <laughs> well, I not remember, Jack White. I was like a weird punk rock kid that grew up in Saskatchewan. I just kind of like look at the ground and carry on. Yeah. Not like pick fights. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So this is my final rapid fire question. It is the uh, most important question. It's the one that uh, really lets us know everything we need to know about you. If you just found out you were the very last person on earth, what's the first thing you'd do? I've never given that any thought. This is sort of like when my wife asks me, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> like, you know, at 11 a.m., you have not given what you want for dinner any thought. You cheated. You read all the questions. I didn't see that. that. You added that. You got a spare sheet. That is right there. <laughs> you you read all these questions. In the I, I posted on Instagram. You cheated. I don't actually read. I can't read. <laughs> I don't know why. I pretended to read those now. Secrets out of the bag. Okay. Um, I would go and play the loudest synth show ever. In some crazy, crazy, like, Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, that'd be fucking cool. <laughs> now that's an answer. There you go. That's yeah. an answer. I'd steal all the best synth gear in the world and put on them, like, a 24-hour synth jam in Madison Square Gardens. To no one. Yeah. I love it. That'd be good. <laughs> okay, well, that that's, a, that's an amazing answer. That's actually one of the best answers I've gotten I don't like on-the-spot questions. <laughs> That's what an interview is. I know. You're just like, going to have to suck rapid it Rapid fire. What do you want for dinner? Fucked if I know. You've given this less thought than me. Uh, one final rapid fire question. What do you want for dinner tonight? A prairie noodle. Oh, who doesn't want prairie noodle, hey? We're apparently Shout going. Out I have to, to like, text noodle. my wife like, when are we going? Oh, God. They're going to be there in 14 minutes. Okay, well, go. we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for joining me here on Inside the Art Studio. Thanks for having me, Jeff. All the best in the future. All right, dear listeners, we're going to leave you with a track from Kay Burwash's Moon Landing album. This is called Fra Moro.
Cups and Cakes is produced by Jeff McCallum. The featured track was played with permission from Kay Burwash. Undercurrents from Atlantis Jazz Ensemble's album Oceanic Suite is the background music throughout the entire episode. Oceanic Suite is available through Ottawa's Marlowe Records. Find out more at marlowrecords.com. Inside the Artist Studio is the second podcast from Cups and Cakes. To hear the original and learn more, go to cupsandcakespod.com. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah, that that Chris Burwash guy, fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs>